This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 209 of the Dressage Radio Show, brought to you by the Horse Radio Network. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, with our producer, Glenn, who is in Florida all the time. Ocala. <laughs> We're here Poor in Ocala guy. where it's sunny and hot. <laughs> hey, guys, I've been missing you. I know. We had our week off, and it's just like we didn't talk forever. I know. Philip called me last week and just to say hi because he missed me. <laughs> yes. Well, we had to Woo! talk about some show stuff too. Yeah, we did. It was nice though because it's true. I miss Philip and missed all, all our listeners. So guys, I had a very nice thing happen to me today. Actually, not sure. a horse related. Not a horse okay. related. But this morning, I, uh, as every good farm owner, uh, I was going to Lowe's. Uh, it was very early this morning and I thought, oh, this is great. I'm going to stop and get a little Starbucks and a little treat. And I ordered, and it was very hot here today. It was in the 90s, and that's pretty hot for this time of year here. So I got a, I got a large iced tea, and I got my chai tea latte, and, and I was in the – pulled up to the window, and the lady in front of me had already paid for my drinks. What? Isn't that nice. awesome? So now, I just wanted to, to say that. On. Now you have to pay exactly. for it. Exactly. Right? So, so next time I go to Starbucks, yeah, next time I go to Starbucks, I'm going to do the same thing. But I thought I would say that and just tell everybody. It just like made my morning. It was so nice. The coolest so one I, I know. It's fun to do it for someone else too, right? Because then you get, the little, you get the little boost of, hey, you know, somebody yeah. else is thinking about you all day. It was pretty cool. And the lady drove off. So like she didn't, she, I had no idea. So it was pretty cool. So I just wanted to uh, tell everybody that, that that was pretty neat. And somebody sure did that for me. sure it wasn't a hot guy morning. hitting on you? No, it was not. It was, it was for sure a woman. And it was just really nice. And the guy at the window said that she had had somebody do that for her. And I was so shocked. I, I, I should have, you know, paid for the guy behind me, but I didn't even think about it. I was like literally shocked. And so next time I go to Starbucks and I thought, you know what? I'm going to say it on the radio show. So his uh, poor so Starbucks was... cashiers are going to be so confused. They're going to be yeah, like, I, no, I don't know no. who paid for what. It's just. <laughs> yeah. It was cool. It was really neat. So that was my fun Well, that thing, is but... fun. Yeah. What have you guys been up to the last week while we were, while we were uh, off? Glenn? I was I wasn't off. I was here last week doing the parrot. Yeah, you right. yeah. were doing shows yeah. like normal, right? Yeah. Uh, Philip. <laughs> and I've been I've been riding horses. We're in full season now, right? Shows and shows and shows and more horse shows. So <laughs> um, it's been busy teaching and riding and and having a good time. And yeah, it's great. It's my favorite time of year, right? This is yeah, this is what I live for. Yeah, it's it. been really. Yeah. Well, we had a horse show. We had our local horse show at the horse park, and I took the babies. And, um, it was a big, it was a big horse show. They, uh, the horse show, the horse park was packed, which was really exciting, but it was truly a huge horse show. And the babies were a little overfaced. I'm not going to lie. Um, which is not necessarily the worst thing to happen on the planet. Um, but we are actually, I added a show to our season. We're going to go next weekend again, cause I felt like they needed a little quieter venue to get their confidence back. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of where where we were. So it wasn't our best show of the season. I won't, I'm not going to lie, but uh, they gained a lot of experience, so that was good. Well, it's the beginning of the season, right? You can work your way through until the you know until regionals or or whatever your your goals are, right? So it's good to get well, out and nice. just get but- get doing stuff. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's what happens when you show babies. You know, these are the ones that went to Florida. So they should, you know, in my mind, they should have more confidence in that type of environment. But it just, they they were both tense and, and a little bit nervous and, and not not the best show. So that just kind of tells me like, okay, we're not, we're not as confident as I would like them to be. So we'll continue down that road. It's always Perfect. a journey. Yeah. Well, I think we got a really great radio show today. Do you want to tell us a little bit about who's coming on? Yeah, we do. So we are going to finish our second part series with Dr. Chris Newton from Rudin Riddle. He, uh, you know, did a did a wonderful job and ended up breaking his interview into two different segments. Uh, so I hope you, everyone enjoys uh, his segment. We also have a listener that is coming on on the show. She has horselistening.com. She's a blog and it's Kathy Feroxide. And she's going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, how riding relates to life. So, so that goes over into the rest of your world. Huh? Exactly. And I think she has some really fun points. And then our final, uh, last but not least, is an S judge. Uh, she's a, a very, very well-respected judge. Sue Kolstad uh, is coming on and she's going to talk to us a little bit about um, center lines and, and from the judge's perspective. So, yeah, that came uh, from another listener question. Yeah. So that's really cool that our listeners are getting involved and we can we can help them out with their specific questions and, and uh, that's really fun. So. Exactly. Thank we you to our listeners. Yeah, Keep thank you to up, our guys. listeners for, for giving us content and uh, letting us know what everybody wants to hear about on our radio show. Well, Reese, we've got not a lot of news this week, but uh, there was something about the the Wellington Circuit. What's going on down in Florida next year? Yeah, it looks like, Philip, that, that the number of CDIs is being reduced from 12 CDIs to 8 CDIs, um, which uh, it sounds like that's probably... It's still a lot. I think that's still a lot, but I think that's a good number. I think it, it you know, the numbers at all the CDIs were tiny. So I hopefully. Yeah, that's will. what I was going to ask you. I mean, I, I think I noticed that from just the results, but you were down there. I mean, there wasn't yeah. high attendance at any single show, was there? No, there wasn't. So hopefully that this will this will help that. Um, you know, you really could go to a CDI almost every weekend. So you know, the big ones, the Palm Beach Derby, uh, that one is always well attended. Um, the CDI with the Masters, that was well attended. But yeah, it, it, so this it'll be interesting to see. I think that needed to happen, and they're splitting it between the showgrounds. And there's there's been some discussion on that. So hopefully that'll work out well. Actually, so. That, yeah, I mean, they need to, you know, they need to have the the entries so that they can support the shows, right? And if there aren't the entries, I guess the shows don't happen. So, exactly, it, it's exactly. a good number. Do you know yeah. what the amazing part about this story is? They got the organizers of four different series down there, which is ridiculous to begin with, but uh, four different series to cooperate. That's the amazing part of this whole thing. Well, I mean, I think that it really was. I mean, it was a real problem in the sense of there were shows all the time. And you know the dressage industry is a little different than the hunter jumper. That that's all they do. They go to yeah, eight they weeks do show, or show, show, twelve show, weeks of show. show. Yeah. yeah, all they do is show, and the horses live at the showgrounds. And you know the dressage is different. We we really pick and choose, and people I think try to to show when they need to show and that type of thing. So well, and have I mean, the we horses did some peak shows. at a certain show and and not yep. overtire them. I mean, it's very stressful work to be you know be do, doing grand prix and then you know and then freestyles and it's just uh, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so I think it'll be a good thing. So, yeah. Well, well we have a great show for the rest of the show. We're going to talk. Uh, our next interview is with Dr. Chris Newton from Rudin Riddle, and it's his uh, part two of our series of keeping a dressage horse sound. And we're going to get to that right after this commercial from the Horse Radio Network. <laughs> 
Jen here, host of the Horse Tip Daily Show on the Horse Radio Network. The way consumers interact with the brands they have trusted for years and those they are about to fall in love with for the first time is becoming more and more mobile, literally, and will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. Podcasts or internet radio shows like this one combine the new consumer preference for on-demand information and entertainment with the power of niche market audiences. Advertising on the Horse Radio Network podcasts allows you to reach the equestrian consumer using today's preferred on-demand delivery system. It's cost-effective and flexible, able to reinforce your existing marketing and social media strategies. To learn more about advertising on this show or any of the shows on the Horse Radio Network, contact us at 859-951-2022 or you can email us at glenn at horseradionetwork.com. That's glenn with two N's at horseradionetwork.com. Come and join the Horse Radio Network family. You'll enjoy the ride. What other pre- preventative things can we do? I mean, I, we do quite a few things in our barn about, you know, icing the legs maybe after stressful work or wrapping the legs after stressful work. Like what kinds of things that we do already are useful and one, but what have you seen that maybe isn't that useful? Again, as we, as we go through the horse's career, I think it's really important very early on, and I think it starts with the pre-purchase exam or if, you have, if you've bred the horse, with what I would call an early training exam so that you get a solid idea of what the weaknesses of each horse that you're developing its training program are. Uh, many times when we breed horses, and, and I do think the dressage community is much stronger in the breeding and developing of horses than, say, the eventing and jumping communities are, show jumping communities are. And so many times dressage riders have horses that they've bred within their own operation and they've developed through their careers. And so they've never gone through a pre-purchase. They've never radiographed these horses through all their joints. And I do think it's important that you kind of get a baseline on these young horses and you identify which side is their strong side, which side is their weak side, where do they have tendencies for significant muscle tightness, where do they have tendencies for... Uh, lack of range of motion in their body and and soreness. And that way you can work on those areas more effectively and more efficiently instead of having them uh, finally break, have the camel that breaks the, or the hair that breaks the camel's back appear right before your CDI or right before you're going to your, to the Olympics or whatever major competition it may be, uh, which often happens. And so, you want to begin with that, and then you want to work uh, closely with your team or your farrier, your trainer, the rider, uh, and your veterinarian to intermittently reevaluate the horse and re-identify these areas. When the horse is stressed significantly, we still have what we want to do is diminish the level of inflammation, acute inflammation, as much as we can beyond the normal level. Some inflammation isn't bad because, as we know, as we train a horse, its bones and its ligaments and its tendons are changing in response to this work. Its muscles are changing, and part of what drives that change is a low level of inflammation. But as that inflammation becomes severe or excessive, 
then it begins to degrade the tissues, and the tissue is incapable of rebuilding faster than it's being broken down. We're looking for subclinical signs of that process that are occurring, and then we want to integrate icing, integrate pro-joint uh, care medications like the hyaluronic acids and the polysulfated glycosaminoglycans, and we want to integrate non anti-inflammatory drugs or intraarticular medications if we need to, uh, to maximize, uh, to minimize the damage that's being done and to minimize the excessive degree of inflammation. Then we want to ex- improve the lymphatic system. So we oftentimes, when we all think about horses and we think about the circulatory system of the horse, uh, in ourselves, we, we think about the heart and the arteries that carry the blood away and the veins that carry the blood back to the heart, right? But there's an entire system that deals with the fluid that leaks out of the blood vessels and, ca- and captures that fluid that leaks around the cells and takes it back into the, into the circulatory system, and that's the lymphatic system. When there is a inflammation, what happens is the arteries dilate. They become enlarged, and blood cells and inflammatory mediators are able to leak out through those openings, and they go to the tissue, and they send out chemomodulators or signals that certain things should come in. So say a horse got banged on its shin with a fence board by kicking, then the blood vessels around that area will dilate and white blood cells will go in and they'll eat up the red blood cells that have leaked out into the bruise that's occurred there and you'll have inflammation. But excessive inflammation, as we know, can be bad. So icing it initially to vasoconstrict it and diminish the amount of leakage there is very helpful. Then after that 72-hour period we want to actually stimulate increased lymphatic reabsorption. And one of the better ways of doing that is through these ceramic wraps or through massage or tissue manipulation, those back-on-track type wraps or, or thing or bandaging that's going to improve the movement of that fluid. And, you know, the, the fluid that sits down in the lower legs of, of the horse and builds up and stocks up is is sometimes we think about it as not being harmful at all, but if there is inflammation there, that fluid is containing large degrees of inflammatory mediators and cell and triggers that tell cells to um, to die or has the byproducts of cellular waste, and we want to accelerate the removal of those back into the circulatory system where the liver can process them and the kidney can help flush them out of the system. And and that's why how the icing initially helps in doing such and how the use of the, the back on tracks or just standing bandage is, and how a lot of the laser therapies and low-grade, low-intensity therapeutic ultrasounds and things like that help is they accelerate that cellular metabolism and they improve the removal of these waste products and inflammatory mediators that pull around the cells and drive continued and excessive inflammation and degradation. So as we go up the levels, Dr. Newton, with the horses, how often do you like to sort of go over them and and sort of be part of their team as the veterinarian? As they're competing at the 
training in first levels, I think it should be done minimally once a year during those periods of time. And, and I think that we oftentimes look at it in a paradigm of the, uh, how far they are along training, meaning we say a training level horse versus a Grand Prix horse. But it's not just that. It's also sometimes age in that sometimes they're 18, 19, 20-year-old horses who are back down, who are doing second level and toting an amateur around who need to be looked at more frequently because they're further on in their, in their physical deterioration, you know, um, the horses. So those older horses and horses that are getting to the higher levels of competition should probably be looked at twice to three times a year, uh, during leading up to the maximum periods of competition. We typically have a, kind of a really intensive period of competition from uh, February, if you're going to Florida, through kind of May, and then again that hits again in kind of October or September through that November period. And sometimes it's broken up to three periods, and you'd like to look at them prior to entering each of those periods to try and adjust your training methods associated with what the horses are showing you and to, to try and develop strength in those certain areas. And, you know, if you begin to see a horse, for instance, that's getting tight in its pelvis uh, or having loss of range of motion in its hind end, then you can begin to do the, the third degree of bend type of exercises, you know, where you're doing lateral work towards the bend, such as the half pass, or the pirouette, or the turn on the haunches. If you're having horses that are getting really tight through their back and losing their range of motion there, then you can begin to add in that second degree of bend exercises or the lateral work, which is moving away from the bend, such as the leg yield or the shoulder in. And if you have horses that are, are fixating in their pole or the base of their neck and uh, having cervical arthritis or neck arthritis and things like that, which we all know everything begins at the mouth, it moves through the pole, it moves through the neck, and then the horse elevates in its shoulder and it gives through its back, and then it fully engages through its pelvis, and the seat of power drives from the feet all the way up through there so that our have halts are connecting to that hind end. But if we have areas of immobility along that axial skeleton, then that process can't occur, and then the horse begins to alter the way it goes, and it's going to increase its weight-bearing or increase its uh, improper loading of certain limbs and then accelerate the deteriorative process in those limbs. So that's how we're going to identify those, and, and I think that age and level of competition both drive the frequency of, of checking to me. Now, I want to talk a little bit about a horse that maybe is ha uh, has a tendon injury, and I think that we all know the horse needs a period of rest or stall rest, but uh, what do you think the best way is to kind of, maybe we could talk about bringing a horse back to work. Can you give us some ideas about what's what we can do there and, you know, maybe products that could help them uh, as far as, you know, the veterinarian being involved and also just from the trainer's perspective, how do we bring that horse back to work? Um, so the most common tendon injury is a, is a tear or a strain of the superficial digital flexor tendon. Um, the superficial digital flexor tendon um, in injury in the dressage horse uh, 
as long as it's not at, at its insertion or attachment to the coffin bone, um, has a very good prognosis for return to full work, in my opinion. But we have to remember that that tendon is going to take 18 months to completely heal, okay? So I really tend to give those horses a year off. And the first 30 days of that period of time, everything should be maximized to diminish the inflammation that's gone on around it and to maximize, to begin to ma- maximize the quality of healing that's going on. If, if the tendon injury is significant, then I really encourage the use of stem cells or the use of platelet-rich plasma into the lesions and, uh, we do everything we can to improve the quality of healing. But we have to remember that when we're using these products, these biologic products, that the goal of them is not to, or the end goal of them is not to accelerate the rate of healing, but to improve the quality of healing. So we're going to utilize those, and then the horse would be on stall rest for the first 30 days, And then I tend to, with routine ultrasound follow-up, over the next 60 days following that 30-day stall rest, actually do a mounted rehabilitation uh, program. And then if the tendon is healing well, uh, under tack as it's walking and then jogging, then the horse gets to go into a small paddock. And then I think it's very important from around month 5 to month 10 of that rehabilitation program that the horse is able to be out where it can constantly mildly strain the tendon and reheal the tendon. I've early in my career I really confined the horse for extended periods of time and controlled the rehab process and I found a lot of horses re-injured themselves and I think that that constant movement and micro tear and reheal gives you a much stronger end product at that year time than the horse that has been kept in a stall and had very limited uh, reloading of that tendon with only being done under tack. Dr. Newton, thanks so much for your time this evening. All your information has been great and we really, really appreciate it. Um, so thanks again. Absolutely. I probably scaled on a little too much on too few things, but there you go. Well, guys, for the next interview coming up here, I saw this website called horselistening.com. It's a blog, and it's a Canadian blogger, and I don't think she lives too far from you, uh, Philip. Yeah, I mean, lots of great Canadian people involved in, you know, in the dressage thing and uh, and talking about it on the internet, so that's great. Yeah, and she her name is Kathy uh, uh, Faroxad? Faroxad? Something like that. Yeah. She told yeah. us how to say it. We still can't say it. Um, but she, she <laughs> you just, can't say it. You can't even <laughs> can't say Guelph still. Probably. I can't say Guelph. Yeah, Guelph yeah. or whatever it is. Come on. But uh, Come on. 20 Ways, she wrote this blog called 20 Ways Horse Riding Becomes Life Itself. And I thought it would be fun for us to have a little roundtable discussion about some of the points she brought up. So this is Kathy. Well, hi, Kathy, and welcome to the Dressage Show. Hi, Glenn. Glad to be here. Well, we're, it's so good to have you. You know, I, I, as I said in your introduction, I, I read your blog post called uh, onhorselistening.com called 20 Ways Horse Riding Becomes Life Itself. And I just thought it would make kind of a cool roundtable discussion with Reese and Philip and I tonight uh, and, and yourself. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll just go down through a couple of the points. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, 
Um, basically, I started uh, riding, well, I would say over 30 years ago now, <laughs> but I'm not counting. And um, I've been a coach for quite some time as well. Uh, started with Western riding, and um, thanks to my second horse, I sort of morphed over to dressage. And I've been riding and competing in dressage now for 10 years. Oh, cool. Well, that's terrific. Great. And what was the second horse that made, uh, had you do yeah, that? Yeah, what was the morphing process? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, well, basically, my, my horse did really well in dressage. And so I, uh, I sort of listened to her. I know that sounds corny, but um, that's, I don't know. She just really, really enjoyed it. She improved through it um, physically and even mentally as well. And, uh, yeah, and so what happened was I, I, was, I was competitive to start with anyhow, and then so then I started competing in dressage after that. It took me a few years, though, to, do the, to transfer over from the Western performance classes to the dressage classes. And what kind of horse? Um, it's a, an appendix quarter horse. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so she was, um, you know, suitable, suitable for Western, uh, but also suitable with her thoroughbredness. Um, she was quite suitable for the English classes and then eventually for dressage. Huh. So she did really well. Yeah. A good all-rounder. That's great. All-rounder. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Well, so you were qualified to start a blog about horses, and your your blog is called horselistening.com. Tell us about that. Well, um, actually, the blog started uh, thanks to a friend of mine, because now I've probably pretty much written all my life, uh, but not publicly, per se. And um, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I was sitting with a friend of mine, uh, and we were actually just having a nice chat over ice cream, <laughs> and she was saying... You know, because I've, I have, um, she's watched me as I've developed as a coach. And, uh, and she's like, you know, you really should write this stuff down and you should really, you know, start up a blog. And I actually had already started thinking about that. Um, and I, 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 I don't know if you'll notice it, but if you go back on the blog, you'll see that I started the blog a whole entire year before I did my first official post. So I had thought about it and never really gone anywhere with it. And then anyhow, so... Long and short is um, I eventually started it, and then people started reading. <laughs> Isn't it funny how that happens? And people actually start reading it. It's people like... <laughs> were reading, and, and yeah, it was just, I, I couldn't, I still can't believe it. I actually, every time, every single day. And then, you know believe. what comes with that? Then there's expectations, and it's like, oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying not to, to like, my, my only expectation, I believe, especially for this blog, is to open discussion. Um, and, you know, I've tried to keep it as much as I'm now coming from such a dressage perspective. Uh, I, I have said somewhere along the line that, you know, I'm not disciplined racist. Um, and I think, you know, so much of what we talk about and what we do in dressage is relevant to all the other disciplines. So I think I do have quite a lot of readers from different disciplines in there as well. Well, now you wrote this, at, and opening in discussions is how, how you ended up on the show tonight. Uh, and you are a listener to several of our shows, you said, so we appreciate yeah. that. Thank you for listening. Yeah. But you wrote this blog called 20 Ways Horse Riding Becomes Life Itself. And it really, you know, one of the sentences describes it, while we develop as riders, we also grow as human beings. And I think that says it all about why you yeah. wrote this. I um, basically started thinking about this post while I was mucking my stalls out. <laughs> There's a lot of thinking that goes on. Yeah, I love mucking stalls for that reason. 
I do my uh, best thinking, yeah. Or I put on my iPod and I start jamming. And so sometimes I just look ridiculous (laughs) out there. But I'm thinking and jamming, you know? Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's get started. (laughs) Let's do number one. So um, the patience you develop working with your horse becomes the patience you use with your friends and colleagues. Of course, I'm coming from an adult perspective as well, but uh, the same goes on if you're a, a young person uh, with your friends. And I guess where that came from was I was a little bit um, like uh, with a little bit of a joke is that if you're not a patient person before you meet horses and hang out with horses, you will be afterwards because you'll very quickly realize that things go according to their timetable and not to yours. <laughs> yeah, Can I just add in husbands, too, or significant <laughs> <laughs> When I was reading that, I was like, I think I need, you need to put that in there, too. And I have a, a wonderful husband, but sometimes in any relationship that's important that you need patience. I just wanted to add that in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sometimes I've... Find that I, when I, I've used up all the patience with the horses, and I have no patience for friends and colleagues. <laughs> but uh, in general, it's a good it's it's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. And and I, you know, part of it was the give and take, and letting things roll sometimes, and letting go a little bit. And and well, you guys both teach. Uh, you know, all three of you teach. Actually, do you find that uh, are, are there people? I, I I agree totally with what you said. But are there people that are impatient? Are they more difficult students? Oh yeah, yeah. I think so. I think in some ways, in some ways, yes. But in other ways, they're you know the impatient ones can be the ones that want to get it done, right? You know, they're really highly motivated, and 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 those are skills that you need as well. I mean, you just have to. It's all about balance, I think, in, in life as well. But I mean, it's a balance between wanting to get the job done, being motivated that way, but but realizing that you know, being frustrated and, and not being patient is the best way to go about it. So I don't, you know, I just think everyone's a little different. Everyone learns a little differently. But uh, if, if, if you can have a little patience behind your enthusiasm, I think that's great. But I think and patience I think- is for sure learned, isn't it? I mean, I, I have, uh, and especially with my younger riders, um, you know, they will lose patience very quickly sometimes. And, and, you know, we have all gotten to where you lose your patience. And, and I found even as a rider, when you really lose your patience, you need to stop, you need to get off and, or whatever you need to do or take a break. And, 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 but I found with my young, especially my young kids, that is something that they have to learn how to do in life, but also in horses. I think it's very, they go hand in hand. Yeah. I've, um, uh, I've seen adults developing, um, and sometimes it'll take, you know, uh, a few years for them to really, really ingrain uh, the idea that, you know, baby steps are the way to go sometimes. And, um, uh, but I, I've actually seen adults develop in their personality and character. And, uh, and that, I think there's nothing sweeter than that, really. Very good. And, and I'm, I, of course, I'm one of them, too. Like, <laughs> and, and I think it's a lifelong journey anyhow. It is. Agreed. It is. And my Agreed. wife would yeah. say I still don't have any. So uh, <laughs> so on that note, let's go to number two. <laughs> okay, number two. The body language you learn to communicate with becomes your source of confidence in group activities. Explain uh, that. Well, you, yeah, you know with horses you, uh, you learn to stand tall and you project your personal space, right? And you, you uh, well, horses communicate through their body language, so you have to learn how to communicate to them. And um, it's very, very easy then to transfer that over into your daily interactions with people. And even if they don't know what you're doing, and even if they, 
don't necessarily, uh, you know, they don't read it that way. Uh, I think it still comes across. Yeah, I think with horses, you have to be, you know, if you're training a horse, for sure, you have to be the leader, right? And so you have to project that that to your horse through confident motions and confident teaching. So I, I would agree with that. And then it just comes across, you know, you want to be the leader in different groups or or you just become less of a passive person if that's what if that's what you are. All I know is when Reese is in a room, you know it. She has a presence. <laughs> I, I think I came out I think I came out like that. Not always, not always, but no, I mean I think it's the same thing. You know, when you walk into a ring sometimes and I even tell my students, sometimes you even have to learn how to maybe you don't feel confident, but you almost have to fake it. You, <laughs> you know, you it. have to stand tall and you have to learn how to have that presence. So I, I agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. In the warm-up <laughs> ring, that becomes very important, eh? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Have you have you ever been in a room full of coaches? <laughs> oh, yeah. Then, yeah. then everybody's projecting, right? Uh, yeah, everybody's trying like to be it. the leader, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's very fun. I love it. Well, how about number three? Okay, number three. The coordination you learn on the back of the horse keeps you safe from unexpected physical mishaps. Um, that Sometimes. Was, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, not the horse women I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just mean on the ground. <laughs> uh, okay, not when you're falling off that. Uh, no, no, not when you're When you hit the ground. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, st- I'm still clumsy. Thankfully, I probably would be way worse if I didn't ride, for sure. Could you imagine? Yeah, no, I, really I couldn't. <laughs> uh, I really think, you know, we learn how to rub our tummies and pat our heads and um, I don't know, move the leg, the arm, the body, the seat bones, your weight, I, and right? I got to say, and, I disagree with you totally on this one. This is one I, that I read. When I read it, I went, oh, she's kidding, because I'm going to come at it from the horse husband's point of view. I have met more horse women that are the klutziest women I've ever seen. They trip over, the, unless they're on the back of the horse, they're tripping over yeah, their own feet. A lot of people totally. that are very comfortable on the back of a horse and yeah. not on their own two legs. Exactly. Right? <laughs> I understand where you're going with this. I'm probably biased then. (laughs) Yeah, I understand where you're going. I think that you definitely learn how to how to do different different things with different parts of your body. So I get. Yeah, I think you get more body aware. That's for sure. You know, you know know what your leg is doing, and and yeah. So I think that helps for sure. Yeah, think that would help though that you wouldn't poke your eye out with your fork when you're trying to eat. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) okay. Just saying. Let's do one more. Yeah, number four. Um, Number four, uh, heavy lifting, pulling, pushing, hoof cleaning develops your strength enough to allow you to fluidly function under heavy loads when needed. Speaking from personal experience, <laughs> of course. Oh, I think that's a, phys- very a physical true. fitness thing, physical, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can. and I will tell you, uh, I can I, I can take this from a, a perspective, and in, in in the sense of you know, I used to do all the grooming and all the all the heavy lifting in the barn and all the, all the work. And, and I am lucky now. Um, I miss that part of my job, but now I do a lot more teaching. So I don't do as much grooming and pushing and cleaning stalls and as much as I used to. And I will tell you, it definitely, you know, I'm not as strong as I used to. And now I have to do that in other ways by going to gym and that type of thing. Yeah. You start to supplement, you know, when, when you're young and doing everything, you, you feel it later on and then you have to be doing other things to help with that. Right. So, yes. Yeah, so I think, you know, I see that. I also would see that, you know, certainly if if I had a desk job, uh, you know, or a job, because I do. A lot of times, sometimes I'll sit down if I teach or I'll be tired. And, and so I don't get as much physical activity. So 
I could see, you know, if you do have a job where you're not moving all the time and you're able to go out and do your lifting even on the weekends and, and you're mucking and you're doing hay and that kind of stuff, I could see that being a big deal. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. And how about number five? Number five, um, facing your fears while on another's four legs teaches you how to have courage in the face of life's many difficulties. Um, and for this one, I was, I was picturing some, like, uh, people, like brand new riders when they get on a horse. And, um, you know, like, it's, it really, like, we forget, I think, um, when we've ridden regularly for a long time, how it feels initially to sit on an, you know, on, another on, on a horse on another being and let that horse take you places um and i think that I, I think that goes along with the horse spooking and learning how to overcome that fear and and um you know uh getting all the different movements in place uh all of it all of it comes together and um yeah i think it, it really does help develop self-confidence Absolutely. Agreed. And we've talked a lot about that. Um, you know, when we've talked to, we've had a sports psychologist on talking about, um, dealing with your fears and, you know, it's very rewarding too. If you do something, for example, my very small jumping, I have a fear of jumping and I was able to do that, um, you know, this year and sort of kind of overcome that fear. And I, I, you know, I'm not very fearful when I ride, um, you know, just on the flat, but I was very scared when I jumped and me and the feeling that I felt when I jumped, I felt like I had jumped a course at Rolex or something. So yeah. I agreed. I mean, with that. That, that's uh, the beauty of being a coach. I mean, when you when you help somebody to overcome their fears or to learn, and and you could just see it in a person, their confidence get built up. That's a really wonderful thing to be able to help people with, and uh, and you know, lesson to lesson, you can see people develop that, and it's just great. So that's yeah. one of my favorite parts is just. You know, getting over fears or or getting over problems, challenges, you know, yeah, or even perceived limitations too. Like yeah, you, exactly. You think you have, yeah, yeah. All right, very good. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for joining us. If the, if people want to read the rest, of the, I love this conversation. It was great. Mm-hmm. And if people want to read the rest of the list, they can go to horselistening.com. That's horselistening.com to find all of this and a ton more terrific blogs or blog posts. Thank you so much, Kathy. Thank you so much for having me. After our next commercial break, we have S. Judge Sue Kolstad coming on the show. Sue is also working on becoming a three-star para-dressage judge. And Sue's going to answer a listener question for us. I hope you enjoy. Hi everybody, Glenn here. We just finished a terrific series on leg protection that was brought to you by the good folks over at Thinline Global. If you missed it, go to horsetipdaily.com and check out all four parts. They still have a fantastic coupon for Horse Radio Network listeners for 12% off your next order at thinlineglobal.com. Whether you buy their saddle pads, horse boots, or tack items, everything is 12% off with this coupon code. Just type radio in the coupon section at checkout at thinlineglobal.com. Well, we are very honored to have Sue Kolstad, an um, FEI judge, on the show today to answer a listener question. Philip, can you read this listener question for me? Yeah, this is a good one. It says, sometimes when you turn up center line, you miss. It happens to us all. Undershot a little or overshot a little. What is the best fix? Just keep riding your straight line that you're on. Leg yield a little bit left or right to get on the center line. 
or ride a short diagonal towards the letter towards the letter X so you can make your halt. Sue, what's what's your answer here? That's one of my favorite training exercises when I teach. Um, it's always better to turn a little bit early and then very, very gradually leg yield over to the center line and then stay straight on the center line and halt straight and square. The perfect halt is when the judge can see the letter A between all four of your horses and really only sees the front light. And um, other than that, if you overturn, it's better to, to gradually uh, come back to the center line. Do not stay on the line that you turned on to. If you turn past the center line, just make it a very gradual straight line back to the line and get centered over X. So at what point should you be back on the center line? Like how, how, how much before X, how much before your halt should you be, um, you know, on that center line so you can, so you can halt square? Well, as soon as possible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, gradual is, you know, it has different definitions right. for us all, I guess. Well, it depends on how much you overturn. How much you, yeah, how much turn, you yeah. <laughs> If you turn a little bit too early, it's easy to move over onto the center line. And if you turn a lot too early, it's still easy to make it more like a big half-circle turn and get yourself over onto the center line. But the worst-case scenario is if you turn past the center line, then you want to get back on the center line as quickly as possible. And, you know, if you turned way past the center line, there's no hiding it. So just, you know, head back to the center line on a diagonal line and get lined up on the center line as quickly as possible. Because what you're showing the judge is that you realize you made a mistake or that the horse um, wasn't really on the aids or you didn't have complete control of the outside of the horse and it blew through your aids, but that you can get regain control and get back to X and home straight and square. So at least you can make up for the full paw with a good straight square halt on center line. Yes, you're praying. That's for sure. So <laughs> Sue, what are some what are some tips for getting square halts? One thing that you have to realize is the judge at C, if you're straight, only sees your front leg. So unless you have a judge at E or B, if the horse is not square behind, but it is straight and you can get the front leg square, you're um, concealing the hind leg. Now, if the horse is not straight, then the judge can see all four legs. So... When I'm teaching my students how to get a horse to halt, if the horse is still moving in motion, its natural tendency in front is to stop one foot and then put the other foot forward and stop. So, it, like, let's say the left front stops first. Then you let the horse take a half a step with the right front, and then you stop the right front before it finishes a whole step. And that way you keep the front legs even. And the hind legs, that's from your feet and legs. And ideally, a horse should stop behind first 
and finish the hog in front. So let's say you did it perfect and you had the horse completely between your legs and your feet and the horse halted behind and came up under itself and was square. It is still going to stop one foot first and then the other foot second in front. So once the front foot stops first, you allow the other front foot to take a half a step and then you close your hand at that moment so it doesn't take a full step forward. And um, my greatest judge who ever trained me was Yap Pop, J-A-P-P is how you spell it. He was a Swedish judge and he is still to this day considered to be one of the greatest judges that ever lived. And he said, a square hope is a trick. You teach the horse to stop and then shuffle its legs around to square up. A correct halt isn't necessarily always square, but when it is ridden correctly, nine times out of ten, it becomes square because of the balance and the timing of the aid. So if you halt your feet and legs correctly and the horse is obedient to your feet and legs and balanced, pretty soon it will learn to just halt because you're doing it right and it's on the age. So that's how I always try to teach myself, my horses and my riders to halt correctly, not square. And then they end up coming square because they're correct. That's very helpful. Good good tip. Now, the last part of the center line is, you know, after your halt, you get moving again and then you got to turn, you know, left or right at the judge at sea and you see a lot of you know, kind of small problems at the end. Is there any tips to kind of correct or or you want to talk about some of those issues that might happen? Maybe, you know, kind of a late turn or a too early turn or some stuff that happens there at the end of the center line? After the final salute when you're leaving, is that what you mean? No, I mean in the beginning of the test when you got to, you know, get down and maybe that's the first time that the judge sees the, or the horse sees the judge kind of straight on and and all those Mm -hmm. issues. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I would hope the rider had had a chance to prepare the horse in a ring before the first test. And if they did, they should have practiced walking down the center line first so the horse can see it and turning either way, just to give the horse that opportunity. But let's say they didn't. So if the test that I'm going to ride requires that the turn is to the left, what I like to do is go around the outside of the ring and turn to the left when I say hello to the judge and give the judge my number. That way I prepared the horse at least to see what it is going to see in its first turn on the outside of the ring. Then when you enter the ring after your entrance, you do your salute, and then you start trotting and you're going to turn left. Start suffering the left rain before you get there. And what you're doing is letting the horse know ahead of time which way it is going to turn so it's not going which way, which way, which way, right, left, right, left, right, left, and have a panic attack before you make the turn. And if you have a green horse, don't try to ride a tight turn by the judge. Make it a gradual turn like a 10-meter half circle or even a 12-meter Cut the corner, but try to push the horse from your inside leg into the bend 
and guide with the outside wing so it looks like the horse stretches on the outside and bends on the inside. But shuffle the inside rein to give the horse a heads up as to what way it's going to turn. And then it will be more confident because it'll know ahead of time which way you're sending it. Oh, I think that's a great tip. And always something, you know, after that, that strike off, after your first salute, you always, you know, it's a little, if you're not really bold at it and you're tentative, then the horse also is a bit tentative at that point. So yeah. that's great. And when well, I'm showing my horse, I showed a horse last weekend. It was its very first show ever. It had never, ever, ever been shown before. I sat the trot through the turn just so that I would have more control turning left or right at the judge. And then I started posting once I got through the corner. So that also can help a young horse have more confidence. Great. Well, Sue, those are wonderful tips for center lines. They're always, they are very, very tricky part of every test. So thanks so much for giving us some tips on that. How do our listeners find you online? And I have a website, www.kolstadressage.com. So you can find me on my website. And thanks again. I really enjoyed it. Well, that was a great tip from Sue uh, Colstead. She's going to come back on and answer another listener question from a judge's perspective in the next couple weeks. So we look forward to that. And Glenn, I don't know, you may be able to know this, but I think I have been doing the radio show for a year now. Really? I started, I think I started June 1st. Yeah. Well, well, maybe it's next week. That would be about right. Yeah. Yeah, Well, happy anniversary. We made it a year. Where's the cake? Exactly. And I got a couple more weeks to go. I got a couple more weeks to go. And you know what? Do you know what? You guys, I, you know, we mentioned this before. I mean, you guys set a record in March for a number of uh, downloads and listeners. And, and since Reese has showed up, uh, the numbers are up 25%. Had nothing yeah, to do with Philip, but since you showed up, it's funny. I'm just the guy on the <laughs> side. You know? Well, that made me blessed, but um, we really enjoy doing the show, and it's been a great part of the, the last year. So uh, thanks for all our listeners, and we love your shout-outs and your Facebook messages. So keep those coming, and uh, we look forward for another year. So really a lot of fun. So I, I thought that was fun. Well, we little, can't little, go away thing. without mentioning oh. something important. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring Good. up. Is okay. that we've got a we've got a big guest coming on, right, Glenn? We've got plans. We got plans once a month, starting the second week, uh, the second Thursday evening of every month. You guys are going to do the first uh, live call-in show for the Dressage Radio Show, and what that's going to mean is that uh, listeners can call in and ask questions of the of the of the names that you get on. And I know you're working on a big name for for two weeks from now, and that'll be on. June the thirteenth. Uh, thirteenth. June the thirteenth in the evening. We, we what time did we say we were going to start? Six. Is that six? That's our usual time. Yeah, yeah. six o'clock. Six yeah, p.m. And, Eastern and... time. So uh, what we'll do is we'll have a special call-in number that you'll be able to call in and ask Reese, Philip, and whatever other experts they have uh, with them uh, questions about training, riding. Uh, marriage, um, you know. Uh, I don't well, know. Maybe the personal stuff can stay out. But 
Because <laughs> I'm no expert in that. If I you just no want to call and chat, that's fine too. Whatever works. So we hope that you will call and you will chat with them. It should be a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to doing that every month. We're doing that in conjunction with uh, dressagedaily.com, and the good folks over there are going to be helping us promote it and helping us get the word out, and they're going to also be uh, putting the player on, on their website as well. So you'll be able to listen to it live, and you'll be able to call in. Both. You mean it's live? Exactly. I didn't say it was live. Yeah, I guess it's live. <laughs> it has to be live. I was just getting or... this memo, everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. But we are looking forward I'm to any, any suggestions. Yeah. Yeah, if you have any sudden, suggestions. Philip changed his mind now. He's not coming. <laughs> Philip's not coming. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have any suggestions, let recording. us know. Yeah, I just get used to the recording. <laughs> but uh... Now, if you can't call, please send emails or post a question on Facebook. Right. That's the other thing. So if you can't call in that it's night, we will right. have the recorded version like we normally do. We'll record it and we'll put it out. But send us an email or, or, or put it on Facebook. They'll answer those questions as well. So we'll be letting everybody know who the big guest is very soon so, uh, so they can ask their questions. That'll be great. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. It is going to be great fun. Yeah, you well, guys are going to learn what it's like to do live. <laughs> I know. I think we're a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. Well, you've done nervous. the live the show, show, though, Reese. Yep. See, Philip hasn't yep. done the live show yet. I, oh. I agreed to do this as long as none of it was live. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's in, just like me not doing any of the technical side. That's I still, right. I still have gotten away. This doesn't do year. technical, and I, I don't, don't do technical. Yeah. I told, I told Glad I would quit. So you can't quit, Philip. Sorry. So you're well, doing live, Philip. You got to be here go. because they don't want me answering dressage questions. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. All well, right, everybody, right. <laughs> everyone, you can find our show notes uh, and links to today's guests at our website at dressageradio.com. You can like us on Facebook. Just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for this week and don't forget to check out all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we'll talk to you next week. 